Hey, welcome to Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. Let's get right into it. So for those who made it through the first about half hour of this conversation or those who, because I suspect I'll repeat this um, when I break this episode into two, who are are interested in how this might apply to them, I, I, I would like to point something out really quickly. And that is that these principles that we're talking about in leadership really apply to every type of human interaction. And that includes with yourself in your own damn head. So when I personally talk about leadership, I actually talk about three types of leadership, but it's all the exact same principles. And that's personal leadership, i.e. how you lead yourself Indirect leadership, i.e. how you are perceived by those around you, just your everyday interactions with humans. We're not even talking about people that are necessarily like family or friends. I'm talking about like random customer care workers. I'm talking about your barista. I'm talking about your kid's teacher. Like just how you are indirectly. You are leading. You are being a leader even when you are just speaking a certain way to that random person on the phone. And then what we've been talking about explicitly so far has been professional leadership. So personal is like how we show up for ourselves, how we develop trust and how we make our decisions and our own sense of self-understanding. Indirect is like how we show up in front of others. Some people might call it leading by example. It's just, again, it's how we show up in the world, how we interact with people. And the professional is how we show up at, quote, work, you know. And, and again, we talked a little about managing versus leading. And we've talked about, you know, subordinates. We've talked about peers. And I think this even goes for bosses. I mean, the, there are, t- I have had some terrible relationships with bosses. I've had some fantastic relationship with bosses. And I realized that some of my best relationships are when I got to be a leader as well in the relationship. That boss was absolutely my leader and set the vision for me. And I also came with my own sense of vision that was supportive of their vision. So I got to lead as well. And sometimes that was leading a conversation. Sometimes that was leading with an idea, but that that was always present. So no matter like what principles we're talking about here, I, I would love everyone to just like, if they can strip the work context for a moment, and just consider how is this showing up with my kid's teacher? How is it showing up with my child? How is it showing up if I'm a teacher in the classroom with my students or with my boss or with, you know, my partner, with, with the love of my life? How, how is this showing up with them? Because I, I want to get into your gardening metaphor right now and then directly into your kind of the pillars of your course, because I think everyone should hear these. I think it's incredibly valuable, just period, <laughs> for them to hear that. So before I ask you to jump into your gardening metaphor, was there anything you wanted to add to that? No, I, I, I believe that every person can choose to lead. It's a, it's a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some, some will find it maybe easier than others based on their personality and their life experience, all that kind of, kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I, I believe that, that everybody, everybody has the potential. They just have to determine whether or not they have the interest mm. yeah. to, to do that. And 
as a as a leader in the in the professional environment that's something that you need to be really clear on with your employees because there's some that you know what I really like the tasks that I do I have no interest in moving up I like to work and I like going home and yep. not having any responsibility so being okay with that and applauding that and just allowing that to be is as valuable to that employee as the employee that does want to climb the ladder and yep. you give them the support that they need. Yeah. And this is the same exact same principle as entrepreneurship. Not everyone wants yeah. to take the risk to build their own business. And just because it is so romanticized by our culture, this idea of entrepreneurship does not yeah. mean that everyone should be an entrepreneur. It's just, I I was just saying, and I think it was the most recent podcast. It's like, if you are an admin assistant, then maybe it, this, these conversations we have on my podcast about how to be the most badass human you can be. And therefore the most badass admin assistant you could possibly be, because maybe that's literally the career you want until you stop working. And there's not a goddamn thing wrong with that. We don't need to worship leaders. No, we don't, we don't need leaders. We need leaders. We need strong leaders. How often do problems that we have in our society come down to poor leadership? Yeah. A huge number, right? And this, I think, is, again, breaking down what we're talking about being pro-social. Um, but I will go on forever about that. So I'm going to cut myself off right now. <laughs> and just say, I would love to hear more. I would love to hear more about uh, your where you came up with this gardening metaphor, and then jump straight into the your four pillars of your um, of leadership for you. Okay, well, the the gardening metaphor, as I said earlier, um, I've been an avid gardener for years. I spend a lot of time out in the garden. It is my happy place. I love getting my hands in the dirt and feeling the energy that's uh, that's in the in the dirt. And I am not a super patient person, Mm. but the garden has helped me to understand that it doesn't matter how impatient I am, it's going to grow at the pace that it's going to grow. (laughs) Right. It's the same interaction with with humans. Mm. Uh, So there's just the the tasks of a gardener and what a gardener is looking at in the plants when you're arranging the different plants you're looking at the big picture down the road and how it's going to appear same with your team in the office you've got positions that need filled you have this vision you have a mandate from you know the c-suite or whatever it is you know where you have to get to and then it is just systematically working and being patient to put the people in the places that they need to be in in order to create this end so um my four pillars no let me back up for years you would hear talk about leadership and that it was it was difficult 
it was stressful, um, that you needed to have your doctorate, that you needed to have your master's, that you needed to have a degree, that you needed to be really deep into psychology, neuroscience, I mean, the whole gamut, right? right. And there's no way that you could be a good leader unless you had all of those things because you just couldn't understand the human kind of thing. Right. And in the garden, if you plant a plant in a place that the plant isn't happy, mm. you, don't, you don't need to know what it's lacking. You don't need to know anything other than, wow, the leaves are wilting. Yeah. They're falling off. This plant isn't happy. Right. Then you go and you research that particular plant. Okay, no, it needs this amount of water. It prefers this amount of sunlight. It doesn't like the cold, blah, 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 right? So you, you're figuring all that out. Right. So you make the adjustment. Right. And then that plant will thrive. Mm-hmm. It's not Transplant, complicated. As you say. Because, right. because, yeah, because the plant just showed you. Right. And if you, as a leader in the workplace, if you observe your people, they are going to be exhibiting signs of distress <laughs> when they are not happy yeah. in the spot that you've put them. And as making sure that you're comfortable checking in, doing your research. Okay, I'm seeing that this isn't really jiving with you. What is it that you really want to do? What really lights your fire? What is it about this task that you're unhappy with, you, you don't feel, do you need more training? Do you need more time? What is it, right? By getting that information. And the more that you do that with each person on your team, the more comfortable they become with actually showing their distress and their stress much yes. sooner yes. because they're not trying to uh, sugarcoat it because they know that, hey, she cares, she's, she's interested, she wants to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for me, the, the garden, just a plant is a plant is a plant, and it's not <laughs> going to be anything other than that plant. Right. As a gardener, I don't expect my daisy to be a rose. Right. I expect it to be a daisy, right? With all of the needs of a daisy. Yep. And yet we as human beings, we, I'm talking the broad sense of leadership, have, have mandated that, Ryan, you today are Charles. Yep. And Charles is able to do all of this stuff, so you need to do that stuff. Yep. And it just, it just doesn't work. Like, no. Just love and care pe- about the people as they are. Hashtag right? Montessori for have, all, side note. <laughs> yeah, you can have expectations yeah. of people's performance, Yeah. Right? right? You can have expectations of how they conduct themselves, all of those kinds of things. And it can be clear. But you do have to accept what is, yeah. <laughs> you know, and not, not try to make them like something that they hate. Mm-hmm. 
So for me, the the four pillars of my of my course and what I believe in in the people gardening is that there's the absolute first one is care. I said that right off the bat. Yes. You must care. You have to care about the whole human. You have to care about everything that's going on in their life. And I'm not saying you have to get bogged down and really into, you need to be aware because you don't need to be overly intimate. No, but if somebody's had a tragedy in their family, you need to be aware number one, so that you can comfort so that you can support, Mm -hmm. but also so that you go, okay, they might be a few weeks processing this. So I need to make sure that my expectation during this time is reasonable. Yes. Right. So, so you do, you do have to have that. So just caring about them. The next one is supporting. You have asked them to do a job. Your responsibility as the leader to make sure that they have every single thing they need in order to perform that task. Damn straight. You don't get to cop. You don't get to cop out. Sorry. If you're giving them something new, you better be giving them the training to do it. Right. So Mm -hmm. you've got support. One of the things that was really clear for me is again, biases. I'm an auditory visual learner. Mm-hmm. Not everybody learns that way. Oh. Right. So my training, the first training that was created was speaking to that learning style. Mm-hmm. Right. Because yep. that's how I learned. That's what I know. That's what I, where I'm comfortable. Yep. I did learn. I had to change. I had to have one that was all written down. Yep. Details on paper. Yep, there you go again. <laughs> right? But you got you to do it because yeah. I might have somebody that that is their learning style. It's like, Rhonda, I don't want to hear your voice and I don't want to see what you're showing. I want to read mm-hmm. on the paper. So supporting, supporting in, in that way. And then nurturing, that is the the recognition that is making sure that they're aware that you're appreciating what they're doing. You're, you're appreciating what they're contributing and how they're contributing when somebody's learning something new and they, they, they're doing it and it's not quite there yet going in and get offering suggestions, not saying you're doing this wrong. Just say, Hey, you know what? I noticed that you were going here, here, and here. You know what? Next time, try this and see if it's easier or if it's got a better mm-hmm. flow, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. helping them along, making them um, feel valued that what they're, con- they're contributing. And then the fourth one is recognizing. So that's the public rec- recognition mm-hmm. of their peers. It's the private recognition. It's the, it's the thank yous. Um, it's important going back to caring about the the person. There are people on your team that would absolutely want to crawl under their desk if you recognize them in public. Yeah. There's others 
that are, oh yeah, baby. Yeah, it's beautiful. So you have to know what's right for the person. Because as much as you as a leader want to, to cheer and you want to recognize and tell everybody how awesome this person's doing, Mm-hmm. If that is not how that person would best receive that recognition, then you as a leader don't get to have your way. You need to do it in a way that would be the most meaningful for the person that you're recognizing. So understanding the nuances of that and also the importance of recognition. Um, more stats for you. Oh, yes, please. of Americans don't feel they are recognized enough for their contribution. And most say it's been 50 days since they were last recognized, last Mm. told they had done something well or thank you for this. Mm. That's pretty shocking, 50 days. 40% say they put more effort into their work if they were recognized more. Yeah. They don't feel valued. They don't feel appreciated, right? Right, right. So why should I bother? This is the one that I found. uh, I mean, I believe absolutely that it's true, but I was surprised at how high the statistic was. And that's 76% of people save handwritten thank you notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a file at, at work. I called it my warm fuzzies, you know, for those days where it just seems like all you were doing was putting out fires and you were slogging away. And I would go into my warm fuzzies and those were the cards that employees had given me or the boss had given me or something that was there. It's like, okay, you know what? You haven't changed. You're still doing what you're doing. All of these Things are still uh, warm true. wishes are still true. All mm-hmm. of what they're saying is still true. Yeah. And so it was, so yeah, I, be, I believe people need to be um, appreciated. And something that, that I say, um, because this whole approach of mine in the garden, it absolutely is a heart. It's an organic place, mm-hmm. right? Where, where everything comes from. People may hear your words. They might hear what it is you're saying, but they feel your heart. Mm. And it's what people feel that they remember. Mm-hmm. It's not what you say. They remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. So as a leader, I believe that you, my goal is to make sure each person feels my love, my care. They feel appreciated, right? right? That, that they, they go home at the end of the day knowing that I saw them. Mm-hmm. I heard them. Mm-hmm. They matter. Yeah, I, I want to highlight the being seen part because um, having been in multiple different types of work environments and having been in the classroom and having been through, you know, 
coach training and all that stuff. I know that there are people who have different, not just different temperaments, but different ways that they walk in the world predominantly. And, and very often that's broken down into logical, emotional, and, and intuitive. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I find myself to be very strange uh, in that I kind of walk all three in different ways. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve, but when it comes to solving problems, I'm, I start as intuitive and I use my logic to kind of sift through my, my intuition. But when it comes to people, I'm, I'm more intuition and emotion first. So I know that I've worked with and for people who are more logic driven, who might have a challenge absorbing what you're saying about having what amounts to an emotional approach or at least a heart centered approach because they don't find themselves to be heart centered. And so the thing that I think is critical here, even going back to what we said earlier about caring about someone doesn't necessarily mean um, being intimate with them and having all the intimate details of their life, right? This is not, this is, as you have said multiple times in this conversation about balance. Mm-hmm. This isn't about needing to like be totally spill your guts as a leader or as a leader expecting your, you know, quote subordinates to spill their guts to you. You know, you don't have to be someone's counselor. This doesn't mean that you have to be fawning over people. What it means is when you take the time to acknowledge people, even people who are not super emotional, even logical people will appreciate being acknowledged. And even logical people have the capacity to genuinely acknowledge those around them. And if you're having trouble seeing the the value of those around you, we have identified a core issue in your capacity to lead. Yeah. 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 I I had a revolving door. Mm. And it wasn't just the people on my team that would come and talk to me. It was the whole building. (laughs) And the reason is because they knew that they could trust me to come and say whatever it was that they needed to say. And often it was just simply a venting. They weren't asking me to do anything about anything because that's something they all learned very early on if you come and complain about how somebody else is treating you or what's being said my first my first response always was so have you talked to them exactly have you handled it with them yet exactly i was like well no well sorry that's your first stage and if then you can't get a resolve then come back to me but anyway you as a leader you're the people that you lead have to trust that they can bring anything that they need to bring to you. And the way that you gain that trust is by caring about them as a human and making sure that they understand you are okay with who they are and what they're bringing to the table. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever it may be. And uh, I learned so much about 
processes and, and uh, policies and procedures that were stupid, were mm-hmm. insane, yeah. were archaic, all of those kinds of things as a result of my team feeling free to come and say, like, why? Yeah. I mean, I invited them to the why. Like, why are we doing this? Why do we have to do it this way? Why is this in place? And helping them to to a place where they believe you because you truly do care. Because none of this can be fake. None of it can be a facade. You have to genuinely care Mm -hmm. about the individual. They will feel that. And they, in turn, will bless you with honesty, with information that can help the greater good, the greater cause. Yeah, you know, I, I, I still want to ask you how you came to those four, but I also want to just touch on something you just said that I think is so critical about sincerity. Mm-hmm. And that is that I I'd proposed in my notes to you for this conversation that there potentially be a fifth pillar. And for me, in my experience, that fifth pillar is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I think that my some of my most successful moments as a leader was when I was able to speak to exactly what I was thinking or exactly what I was feeling and not always be perfectly filtered. I was, I would still be diplomatic and professional (laughs) to be clear. I wasn't just like vomiting my emotions all over people. Um, But sometimes like to the example you just gave about sincerity, if I were someone who was listening to the two of us talking right now, and I thought to myself, Oh, well, but I don't sincerely care right now, but I want to apply what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Then I would suggest one way to do that is to apply the vulnerability aspect of, hey, (laughs) I'm working on being able to recognize you better, (laughs) to acknowledge you better. So this is what I see, blank. And just in doing that, there is now the opportunity for genuine connection, for expressing care, support, nurturing, et cetera. Um, You know, in in that recognition, in that specific scenario. So it's not always about being perfect. Some of this is about how do I develop the capacity to be genuine with them and a, a, a way into that is vulnerability. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be spill your guts vulnerability. This doesn't have to be bleed all over the place vulnerability. It's just about showing up and being honest about where you are in that experience. This course will have a greater transformational effect on the student than it will on the team that they lead. Mm. And vulnerability for me is all encompassed in caring. 
Because if you, if, if you truly care about the other person and accepting them as they are, you have to share yourself. You have to share what I regularly, I, I got so that the, the phrase that I would use was teach me, Mm -hmm. educate me. Yeah. Because I don't understand where you're where you're coming from. I don't understand what you're saying, and often, like I have no problem owning my mistakes, and I think every good leader owns them. We are all human. We are going to make mistakes. We are not perfect, and there's parts of us that are fearful, mm-hmm. and we have to figure out how to how to manage and process that that fear. And I mean, I agree. Well, let me back up. There's a lot of buzzwords going on <laughs> out in the in the universe. Vulnerability mm-hmm. is one of them. And I'm it's it's important, but again, it cannot be contrived. Right. It's not and vulnerability if it's see, contrived. It's yeah, but what, I see is, <laughs> but what I see is a lot of contrived mm. because that's what I'm supposed to do. Right, like curated yeah. emotions. Yes. Look at it. Look this, at how sad I am. Well, if you're having to take the time to display how sad you are, how authentic yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah. Right. But there's, no, there's, it all starts and stops for me with a human being. Yeah. I think I, I love I think it was your phrase that you used didn't you uh, I believe it is you who says leaders grow first. Yes, that's actually the name of my course, Leaders Grow First and I I believe that. And th- like this I, when I say that the course would have a greater transformational effect on the student than it will um in the in the team for mm-hmm. for the team is because if it doesn't <laughs> right the team won't change exactly right. so you you have to be willing to transform yourself you have to be willing to grow yep. yourself in order to have any expectation or have the right to expect your team exactly this goes back to what I was saying. My definition of leadership was, you know, and going back to lead, leadership, going to leader, going to lead is the one who goes first. You yeah. need to make those adjustments first before you expect those around you to have any measurable change. And this is, yeah. again, this doesn't just go down to professional leadership. This is personal leadership. This is indirect leadership. This is just how you are with people in your life. When you're looking at the personation going, why aren't you different? Yeah. That same question could be applied to you. <laughs> oh, for, for sure. Well, to me, one of the most exciting um, things about leadership is that you have the ability, no, the privilege, I'm going to say, the, the privilege of putting things in motion that affect an organic change that in the end massively affect the metrics that the company is following. 
So you are, are caring for your team, you're supporting, you're nurturing, you're recognizing who cares what any other department's doing, who cares what the C-suite's got to say, you're doing those things. And all of a sudden, not, I, it feels like all of a sudden, but over time, you're more efficient. You've reduced costs. You've increased sales. You've increased customer service, uh, customer satisfaction. Yeah. All of these metrics that are important to the, we'll call them bean counters for want of a better word, you know, <laughs> that the KPIs that, that's important, right? Right. And yet you have not said one thing about the task that the person is doing. Right. You can change that. You have just changed how people feel about how they're doing their job. You're removing roadblocks. You're encouraging them to excel. And they, just like in your classroom, they rise to the level of expectation. And you're not saying, I need you to do 40% more work. No. You're saying, how can I help you so that it's easier for you to perform your tasks? Yep. And away and away. And yep. that's what to me what's so beautiful because you get to you get to watch these people yes, bloom. Yeah. To go with exactly. your learning metaphor. Exactly. You you know, they're they're thriving because they yep. feel they're engaged in their job. You've empowered them to to do their job well, to question, to to make changes, and they're energized because man, this is fun. You know yes. what? I got yeah. this much day when last week it would have taken me this long because of this one tweak that we made and away we go and they show up so much better at home yep because they're happy they're engaged they're fulfilled they're liking their job so it's a it's a win in the workplace and it's a win at home as well and and i just would like to apply this with my experience teaching to the classroom really quick and that is both a, that was my favorite part about being a teacher was getting to witness these kids having this explosive yeah. growth. And I also yeah. want to, anyone who's paying attention to public education and has whatever their mix of concerns is, and I'm going to do a whole mm-hmm. separate episode on that, uh, probably not in the podcast, so make a video for YouTube or something. But um, when, if you look at the schools that are most successful on quote standardized tests, unquote, they're the ones that don't teach to the test. They're the ones that support the learning of children, period. Period. Mm-hmm. And their capacity to grow and be in a space that works for them. Right. And when you look at the lowest performing schools, they're the ones saddled with curriculum that is just teaching to the test. Yeah. Isn't it, and no one seems to be, people, I'm sure, I know people are having this conversation, but it is not nearly public enough of a conversation. It's like, oh, it's weird. It works for those affluent kids <laughs> where suddenly they're doing so well. But these, mm-hmm. you know, underprivileged children are totally fucked. I wonder why that is. Hmm. Well, besides the money issue, there's also the, yeah, maybe there's a curriculum issue that you're not really supporting their learning. But let's just not, let's not worry about that in this exact moment. And again, to your point about when they're happy at work, they're happier at home. This can also be applied, again, outside of the workplace. Can you imagine if you were happier at home, how much happier you might also be at work? if this was yeah. governing these conversations, this, these 
principles that we're discussing governed your relationships at home? What if it governed your relationship with your child and they showed up at school in a different way? And they were more successful at school because they had a better situation at home or because they had a better situation at school. They were also better behaved at home. Like these things are all powerfully, powerfully interrelated, I think. And I think um, in addition to what I uh, just talked about, the employee uh, having this this growth, Mm -hmm. what happens when a leader is focused on helping their team to perform at their best, that leader puts themselves in a position to be noticed and recognized and even may have advancement themselves. They don't even have to do anything because what happens is other departments come by and say, what are you doing here? How come things are going so smooth and so great, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. And it, it's noticed that as, that as that team is developing and there's possible employees that are transplanted to another department because that's really more their shtick than where, where they are, it doesn't matter who comes into that department it's the same thing. You love, you, you care, you support, you nurture, you recognize. And so now you have another employee that's performing at their best. And they're going, how with all this moving around, does it still all work? Well, mm-hmm. that's because yeah. you're caring about the human. And it's, it is so, it's so simple. <laughs> <laughs> well, so simple yet, to it's you, so the people gardener, but obviously some people need a little more experience and or training in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Well, and stop trying to complicate it or stop believing that it's complicated. Be okay with simple, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It, it's not, it, it doesn't have to be complex to be valid, right. to be effective, to be good. Um, and I know for myself, this whole um, teaching style, this whole leading style, it's not going to resonate with everyone. Right. And that's okay. Be- and if I wasn't okay, I wouldn't be believing what I'm saying. It's like, oh, no, you should all do it this way. You should all right. like what I have to say and all that kind of stuff, right? right? And so it does have to, it has to has to resonate. This has to feel right. Yeah. It's like, okay, this makes sense. Yeah, I get this. Yeah, I can, I can do this. I like this mm-hmm. uh, kind, of, kind of thing. And there's, I mean, there's lots of, people out there there's lots of companies out there that teach leadership that may resonate better with some of your listeners some may resonate with this yeah bottom line is for for me i i want to advocate caring for the human for the for the whole person mm-hmm yeah, I, I think um, I want to read a quotation to you and, and get your yeah. reaction to it. Um, 
uh, just before saying that, I, w- I want to add when you said be okay with simple, I would say also be okay with things being a little bit messy. Oh, absolutely. It, that, like, no one, I mean, really encourage your listeners. Simple doesn't mean easy. Right. <laughs> right. No, it, they, it doesn't. No. Simple is the concept, the philosophy, the action, right? Right. But we are dealing with human beings and we are all messy. Yes. <laughs> Word. So, Word. Yeah. Oh, well, so, okay. So this, I, I mentioned this uh, Harvard Business Review article that I found. It's actually right. a republish. So it was originally written by, and I'm going to butcher his name. I apologize. Abraham Zelesnik. Uh, in 1977, it was republished in 2004. And I'm not sure who wrote the kind of preamble, the abstract um, before the, the article itself, uh, but I'd like to read a part of um, what they wrote. And that is, the difference between managers and leaders, he wrote, he being Abraham, lies in the conceptions they hold deep in their psyches of chaos and order. Managers embrace process, seek stability and control, and instinctively try to resolve problems quickly, sometimes before they fully understand a problem's significance. Leaders, in contrast, tolerate chaos and lack of structure and are willing to delay closure in order to understand the issues more fully. In this way, Zelesnik argued, business leaders have much more in common with artists, scientists, and other creative thinkers than they do with managers. Organizations need both managers and leaders to succeed, but developing both requires a reduced focus on logic and strategic exercises in favor of an environment where creativity and imagination are permitted to flourish. I'm just curious what you thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like, ding, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and, and the the line that uh, I like the most mm-hmm. is leaders, in contrast, tolerate chaos and lack of structure and are willing to delay clo- closure in order to understand the issues more fully. Yeah. That, to me, speaks of this person. This is how they need to process it. Being okay that, okay, people... Here's where we're at. This is where we need to go. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you how you're going to get there. We just know you have to get there. And being okay with, you know, three or four people having to accomplish the same task to get to B and having four different, three or four different ways to get there. Mm -hmm. So there is, there is chaos. It's not all the same. And being open again, to the IQ of your team, mm. showing you a different way of mm. doing, doing things. Um, and, and manager, a manager to me is exactly that. It's a, a it's rules, it's order. It's like, we're sorry, we can't, what? You can't take that curve. You gotta, <laughs> gotta keep it straight. Put the limiter on, right? Yeah. 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 Ab- absolutely. Yeah. And I believe I truly believe that the the company that has the permeating feeling of um, this last one where he talks about creativity and imagination, Mm -hmm. that's where the 
great ideas come from for new product, for streamlining, for customer status. I mean, all of that kind of stuff is when people are, are invited and encouraged to share their thoughts and ideas and, and, and vision. And it's part of why I love, sorry, go ahead. Well, I go back to the review that I would have people do. There would be lots of years the same thing would be on the review mm. because we weren't able to accomplish making the change because there were things in the way. We had to wait until certain things happen in yeah. order to do it. Right. But communicating, saying, bring it all. We might not be able to address all of it right now, but just keep bringing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, repetition yeah. Okay, you just keep keep bringing it. Yeah, you know? and again, that's accepting some of the mess. To, to your kind of point about creativity, that's part of why I so much love watching companies like Rogue Rocket, which is Philip DeFranco, a, a major YouTuber's company, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and seeing like suddenly this really cool thing emerges, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that wasn't my idea. That was that was Brian's idea, mm-hmm. or yeah. yeah, that was Amanda's idea, or yeah, that was." you know, Alyssa's idea. Like the, he's, he's able to hear, you know, or oh, Keith's idea. Um, and he's able to hear these ideas and bring them forward and it makes everything so much richer and better. Why I like watching a, a video game developer like Digital Extremes where there are people in the company who are not originally coders or programmers who are involved in <clears throat> character design and, and other cool things. And so now suddenly there's this much more communal vibe and these really cool, fun, exciting things happen. And um, it all just feels so much more almost familial or at least familiar. Um, there's a familiarity um, that's bred through that experience, a community that is formed right. through that experience that, that isn't otherwise. Next time on Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. So as we kind of start to, to wrap here, I thought it would be interesting at least for me, because for realsies, <laughs> as much as I would love all this stuff to be universally applicable to all situations in life, I'm, I'm curious about a few things from your experience, specifically in, in the professional world. And I think this would be valuable both for employees and employers to kind of understand. Hey again, thanks for listening. If you want more goodness, come hang out with me on Instagram at educate for underscore life. That's educate, the number four, underscore life. I jump on almost every day and go live once per week to answer questions and just talk about what's on my mind. We've got some cool stuff coming down the pipe, so expect some announcements in the near future. And with that, I hope you have a great week. Talk with you soon.